no idea any longer how to start these podcasts. It's stage 13, it's the 13th. No, it's not the 13th of July, what am I talking about? Stage 13. I've got no idea, I've run out of words. It's too deep into the tour. Can't, I've got no idea how to start. Where's your commentary, Ned? I don't, uh, there wasn't much to say. Maz Pedersen wins the stage like he was always going to from that breakaway. Right outside the home of Saint-Étienne Football Club, who got relegated last year from a long spell in the top division of French football, and it all kicked off. Their fans invaded the pitch, flares, fists were thrown, punches, and the club's going to be heavily censured, and a bunch of hooligans, actually. Lally Lever. And yeah. just before commentary started, you came back, David, very excitedly from the club superstore of mm-hmm. FC Saint-Étienne, didn't you, with a gift for me and Pete? I, d- I did, I couldn't help myself. I saw it and I thought, well, there's Souvenir Bonanza, because it's very rare we're next to uh, another sporting venue and one with an open shop. And I know how much you like uh, souvenirs. I do. And I thought of Pete, because Pete doesn't get gifts very often. Um, <laughs> and then you thought of... Well, then I thought of you. <laughs> I did think of you. And I asked them, do you have this in uh, women's? And they said no. no. And I was going to get you a Shooks. small one. I should have done. I, I mean... Excuse me, do you have maternity wear in your <laughs> range? Yeah. I did ask. Oh. Um, um, well. Yeah. It's all right. I'll get over it. There's plenty of time for to buy me presents, isn't there? Between yeah. now and finish. Yeah, and also, one. Pete has already... Re- he's been the recipient of a present already on this tour. I, uh-huh. Which I bought on the, from Italy. Bought all the way from Italy. From oh the okay. final stage of the Giro right, d'Italia. Yeah. B&B mug. Which I haven't seen you use yet. With, um, no, with, it, it with the slogan... Every morning. I've on, used it already. Oh, yeah. Only for everyone. <laughs> B&B hotels. It's a bit like the slogan on our T-shirts that we're wearing right yeah, now. Yeah, what is it? Their <laughs> sponsor is. What does it say? <laughs> you have to read mine. It says... Some... <laughs> Smart, good, Smart things. good things. Well, whatever that is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, that's not so true, David. About very rarely s- um, do we does this that do we go near a um, another sporting venue? Is it because um, oh, you got your cable all caught up there? That's going to be problematic. Uh, I think it's caught in that. There that's it. There we go. Got it. Free right. now. Uh, yeah, now it's caught round yeah, my leg. Yeah, weirdly. that's enough. That'll be enough. <laughs> there got we go. it. <sighs> Because um, quite often it finishes outside. I remember, David Miller, Yes. in similar weather conditions to the ones we're experiencing right now, I remember a stage of the 2009 tour in which you were very active. Monjuic. No. Earlier on in the race, that finished outside a sporting venue. Now, can you tell me, tell me which stage it was and what happened? Ooh. Was it be... Here's Mass? a hint. It was, it, it was in the first week. Marseille, Team Time Trial? Montpellier. Ah, uh, Montpellier, the Team Time Trial. It was outside the rugby stadium. Ah, uh, that was the greatest Team tra- Time Trial we've ever done. I've ever done. Yep. Yeah, I remember watching that. Yeah, that was TV, nuts. Yeah. It came down to me, Bradley, Daisy Brisky and Christian Vanderveld. And Wiggins. And, uh, and Wiggins. And Ryder Heschdahl. And we lost, it was 28 kilometers, and it was super technical the first half. And then, That's it, yeah. And then, and there were teams crashing everywhere. Remember that? You went down to the those those riders you explained very quickly, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, after 8Ks. Yeah, that's why I mean, that's why I remember yeah. it, because it was like, what's going on? Yeah. But Wait, then you so you had to, you had to uh, back in the day, with nine-man teams, you had to qualify five for a team time trial? Three. Uh, no, uh, uh, five, wasn't it? Oh, it was a five. Mm. No, it was five. Right, it was five. Was yeah, five, that, yeah, that's why riders had to hang on. Exactly. So we got to 8Ks and it was a climb, and we were losing riders, well, left riders. They lost three, and Danny Pate pulled off. And I remember Christian Vanderveld seeing when the climber going, don't you mm, beep dare. And he pulled off and dropped off, and it was just... 
Arslef and Ryder hanging on for dear life. And <laughs> Maddie White came on the, the radio and it was like, Ryder, just stay on, just stay on. And then Ryder sat on the whole time. And so it was just me, Bradley, Dave and Christian that did the final uh, 20 kilometers. And it's the deepest I've ever gone. And me and Zabriskie were just on our hands and knees. Bradley was flying, Christian was flying. And when we got to like 500 meters to go, Ryder comes over the top and is like, guys, I got this. And it was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and it was like, no, no, I can't. And I rolled straight through the finish line. I remember this and I wasn't angry. I was so disorientated and delirious that I just kept riding for like two or three Ks. (laughs) Just like, like went straight through. And it took me 15 minutes to get back to the bus because I was just complete. I couldn't eat for another seven hours. Uh. The deepest I've ever gone. And Ryder hit the highest number of his life just sitting on our wheels for those final 20Ks. Wow. Yeah, that was nuts. And we got second. Yeah. But you had the extra motivation of Wiggins being very close to the jersey, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, After yeah. Because he'd done a good prologue in Monaco. He had. He finished third. Finished third. Yeah. And then uh, Cancellara won it, didn't he? Yes. But you were way better than Saxo Bank or whoever he was yeah. running for. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed that Tour de France. Oh, it was brilliant. As it was a, good, actually. And know, that was yeah, the drama. On the first mountain into Andorra, it was when uh, yeah. uh, Contador attacked and Armstrong was his kind of tour That's back. That's it. And Contador, they were on a standard together, weren't they? Oh, or, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, post, or whatever. That's Discovery. I can't remember what team they were. It was. It was Disco- Discovery. It was Discovery Channel. So wasn't Discovery. It? Was it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. But it was but definitely Astana. But before hmm. you, before you it even might got be, there, it might have been. Oh, that was Astana. It was yeah. Astana. Yeah. I was thinking. And I've got a story about their camp in Tenerife, and I don't know who heard it from. So they did a similar camp to what Scar did, and what a lot of people do now, on top of Mount Tardy. It's the first training camp Alberto Com- Contador and Lance Armstrong did, did together. Yeah. And apparently, um, Con- Armstrong attacked the group with Alberto Contador on a training ride and yeah. Contador went after him and they raced each other. Hmm. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, the legend goes uh, in the Andorra stage when they got back on the team bus, Lance went up to Contador and told him, told him never to do it like kind of like you were talking about yesterday. It was after the crosswinds, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was after Le Or Grand the day before. No, yeah. it, was the d- it, was the day, it was the day after. It was the day after Lance Armstrong had not waited for his team leader Contador in the yes, crosswinds yeah, when Cavendish yeah. and won and he was completely isolated and yeah. Yeah. yeah and Lance went off in Lance where I'm not sure whether he's angry or just aggressive to, <laughs> to Contador and Contador just stood there in the bus and looked at him vacant both blank and was like completely indifferent to it and it was at that point the team were like oh shit Contador is fucking he just doesn't care does he no. He's gonna, he does met, met your match. Got, yeah, met match with with Armstrong. It, in terms like, of like ooh. on the bike, anyway. Yeah, that was because I feel like story. Contador. That's where he did all his talking, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of the Completely. time on the bike. And and, you know. and from the other, you know, we spoke a little bit about the other side of the fence in yesterday's podcast. Yeah. Mm. From my side of the fence on that race, that is exactly borne out by their behaviour, the body language. I was watching mm. that team every day. There was a scrum around Armstrong for obvious reasons. It was the comeback year. And I was part of the scrum every day. And then there was that figure just to the side. Everyone was ignoring him and he simply was in his own little bubble. He wasn't interested in what the Armstrong drama was. He was, he was just focused because he was going to win the race. So I feel like t- we talked today about how today was a transitional day, even though it was the hardest transitional day I've ever seen. But <laughs> I felt like that was the transitional year from one era to the other. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Very good point, Peter. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. win the podcast, but it's... No, true. but it, it wasn't. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> Does it, Lizzie? It's done but um, that's yeah. how it felt, because then came Brad and Team Sky. But that was the last year yeah. with 
the old god and the new god. Yep. Mm. And yep. and then 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 we move on. Yeah. Now, Lizzie, can I just say in commentary, we'll talk about the race sometime soon, won't we? But um, mm. but uh, sorry, I couldn't take part in that conversation. I was um, a bit too young, maybe. Well, you're so just Pete, and Pete yeah. remembers it vividly. <laughs> uh, well, he's he's always been a cyclist out the womb. No, I, I, Lizzie. Uh, by this point, I, we'd already been on the then? we'd already been on the <laughs> talent team together. We'd been on the ODP program. Yeah, having your breakfast in the Toby Carvery. In the Toby Carvery. And I was living in Italy, watching, fascinated by the race. So what were you doing? You must have been an under 23. So you would have been interested in cycling. So you can't get over that easy. Mm, I just don't have this memory that you guys seem to have. So I think I have this memory, Lizzie, because I, those were the, my favourite cycling years ever. So it's really vivid. Because it's it, that attachment to my career but you were at such a formative point in your in your career at that point weren't you i mm. mean 2009 2009 i remember meeting in monaco on the eve of the tour david with your sister um yeah. and and that guy corin demopolis oh, who yeah, i believe is a podcast listener he is a listener he's a friend of the podcast right and we, we were discussing we were discussing the launch of team sky where are you and and whether or not we, they wanted to make a documentary that i was mm. going to kind of produce about never happened ah. in the end but um that uh, so it was all happening then, and you were one of the first names on the team uh, sheet. And, so. and also, when this was all going on, that we went for a meal in Italy with the academy, uh, Max Giandri, Dave Brailsford, and he was like, "Yeah, this team's happening, but I can't see who the sponsor is." But he was like, "It's big," and we were like, "Everyone, all these excitable under twenty three riders were like, who is it? Who is it? It was like uh, Samsung, Tesco, um, Tesco, yeah, uh, n- Virgin was in there, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. So it was." Oh God, glory days, really, weren't brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get Fasso, much bigger Fasso than Bortolo, Sky. Yeah. Sudal, and Agritubel, but they didn't quite get it over the line. <laughs> um, uh, no, Lizzie, I, I was going to say in commentary over the last few days, it's unbelievable how you've done this. It's like you've jinxed it. But you made a bold statement on this podcast a few days ago. Now I've lost count of how many days ago that you would take over Castle and amphitheatre <laughs> and church yeah, duty in nuts. commentary <laughs> and every time you come in to join us at the beginning of the live show <laughs> we have the old book ready for you and every time we go to a commercial break and boom an amphitheatre or a church or something pops up and you you haven't had to do it yet I know I'm as, fr- as frustrated as you Ned I want to share my cultural well, knowledge of France but the opportunity keeps missing me well I'm going to give you the opportunity now to paint a picture with words as to where we are and what you can see from our car window. Whoa. Well, France is a very big country, isn't it? Very different. Um, We're sort of in the middle of... Look at that. Great use of words here, Lizzie. (laughs) Middle and off. Yeah, so far so good. No, she's right. We're in the middle of France. We're in the middle of France, basically, yeah. (laughs) No, but you're painting a picture. Uh, Yeah, we're in rolling hills. There's a big statue over there on on the... mound in the middle monumentally middle famous statue middle that again. is just so that we, I, I've never seen it from this perspective it's incredible that's Le Puy en Verlet with the Virgin Mary I was Mary. just about to say that that's is where that Bauke Mollema won that stage a few years ago from the breakaway that is the Virgin Mary It's you can climb up huge. inside her and you can stand I think look out of her eyes there's a staircase inside she's absolutely vast she overlooks the valley there on the top of a volcanic plug I'm only scared of Lizzie's confidence because she was like, yeah, I'll, w- how do you know this information? I'll take it on. She and I remember having hesitate. this conversation with you and David, Ned, on my first year in 2019. And I was like, no chance am I doing that. 
I reckon you'd nail it now. I don't know. With a little bit of your, I don't know, broadcasting savvy and Lizzie's absolutely iron self-confidence. Because she didn't flinch there to take on the challenge of describing this landscape. The best scenario would be when we're in commentary with Matt Rendell for it to happen. And I go, Lizzie, this is the Chapel de Planche. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, (laughs) and then hand the book. Or the chateau. Oh, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) And then, then <laughs> and then, and then ha- de planche, <laughs> and then hand the book over to Lizzie with all these like crazy French words to explain and pronounce pronounce right. I was, which David does an amazing job of. I was usually. very close to, to Petit, handing Petit. the book over to because there was actually on the live coverage day a, a really kind of quite uninspiring. 19th century church that wasn't a cathedral it wasn't particularly remarkable but it was the best that that little town had to offer today and that that popped up in the helicopter shot and I almost pointed uh, pushed the book over to Lizzie but then I I thought that's too unkind because all the book said was this is the Eglise Notre Dame or something and it's 19th century and I don't know how you elaborate on that really I could have come up with something I think I perform well under pressure so you know Next you need that to up yeah, your game. Yeah, I need that, that to up my game. Can I, can I also just say on David's behalf, so when me and Lizzie are commentating and with Matt um, on most days, it's sometimes a minute or a minute and a half to the break and we're like, yeah, we're probably just going to let him take it to the break. 20 seconds to the break, you've got the countdown in your ear and oh. David just takes Roman it upon Temple. himself. Roman yeah. Temple pops up. <laughs> yeah. To completely... Augustus and his it, wife, Lydia. And he, it, there, was no, there was no stopping him and it was... Yeah, I like I, d- I would never have the bottle to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? But it was interesting where we were because we didn't get... We had this, this ruin of a castle that was Pope Clement V, I think it was, uh, who in the 13th century had removed the papal... Papers? How do you say the papal see? Papal see, Bab? Pa- pa- I don't Papacy. know. Papal see. No, no, certainly not Pap. No, pa- not Pap anything. Anyway, papal see, like yeah. Uh, from Rome to Avignon. Oh, yeah. Avignon's yep. just stunning. And the, this derelict, like, wrecked castle was his retreat for when fighting started. And I was like, those were the days. Well, there was a minor technical issue there, hence this clunky change in the conversation since the SD card was full and the conversation ground to a halt. It was a real shame because we lost some absolute podcast gold there. We'll get it back. Yeah, we'll get it back. We'll get it back. Uh, Back to the race. Back to the race. Mads Pedersen. Mads Pedersen. He's a fast bike rider, but he was on a faster bike, wasn't he? Yeah, you're right. What bike was it? A Segafredo. It's hard to do. <laughs> it was a Segafredo. It was a Trek. You know the subtle branding. <laughs> yeah. Treks, yeah. 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 No, that was a big win for the team. They needed it. Um, it's been a while coming, I think. And I was saying Has about the women's team been outperforming the men's team lately. Ah, oh, come lately since the well, since I mean, the start, early yeah. 16th century. Since yeah. the origin of Trek bicycles, women have been outperforming <laughs> the men's team. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. they have. Yeah, um, I think it's been a it's been a really good thing to for the for the Trek Segafredo team to have a women's team. It does take the pressure off a bit, and sometimes when you know when we win a race, then they win a race, or vice versa. You know, the momentum does build. You do feel like it's the same team, um, and you know we're under a lot of pressure to win. I mean, the Tour de France is a big race, and the men haven't really done anything yet so it was pretty um, cool to see Mads pull it off Lizzie tell, tell me more about Trek because I remember years ago my sister going there when she was uh, commercial one of the boss when she was boss of Team Sky basically she's always a boss isn't she's she? always a boss yeah 
And uh, she'd gone to visit Trek. And She's basically your boss, isn't she, Dave? She, oh, of course she is. Am I? Yeah, all of ours. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and she went to visit Trek, wherever it is. And I remember getting messages from her saying, you've got to come out here and see this. It's mad. Yeah. I, know, I know where yeah. it is. Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Waterloo, Wisconsin. It's yeah, in Waterloo, you point Wisconsin. Out on the map. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it kind of takes over the whole town of Waterloo. So it's just outside Madison, which is this kind of university town on the lake. Um, and it's just a really cool place to work. Very American, very kind of um, casual, I suppose. Just easy going, that everything is there. It's still a family company. So John Burke, who is the CEO, is the son of the the founder of Trek Bikes, and you can definitely still feel. Haven't they kind that of had ethos. kind of a responsibility with the local town as well to kind of bring bikes more into it, into Waterloo? Yeah, I mean everything is just it's just so well thought out, you know. Like everyone who everyone who works at Trek basically has Trek healthcare and there's like a mini clinic on site huh. so if you have any issues you go straight to the clinic so you know in america that's pretty yeah. important the, the canteen is completely free and it's all really nice healthy food everybody's encouraged to go for a bike ride at lunchtime and yeah it's just You'd a nice place <laughs> uh, lizzie so i'm trying to think of where i could point this out on the map and the only the only time i think i've ever heard Wisconsin or waterloo is in the mel gibson patriot film anyone seen that yeah. Epic film. Good film. No. no yeah, and not that's seen what it. that's what's coming to me right now. Wisconsin Waterloo. Yeah. I don't know why. Huh. I I'd mean, have thought it's of, really um, old. We need a fact check. I'd have thought Napoleon's downfall would be my first yeah. Kind yeah. Of I don't know. But it, I, I mean in terms of these like towns or cities. There's also in America, a plumber in Catford called Waterloo. But Lizzie, <laughs> what's Mads like <laughs> off the bike? I mean, is he he seems like a lovely guy, he seems determined. Yeah. Obviously he yeah. was close, wasn't he, in Copenhagen, but he's he hasn't given up. Yeah, he's he's really meticulous. Like he's so professional. He's like the consummate professional. Um, he ticks every box. He's he trains really hard. Watches what he eats. Does all that. You know. I mean, we all do that. But he just seems like a bit more of a detail man. But he also really looks after the staff. I mean, there was one time in Spain. Caught back from a bike ride on training camp and looked around the car park, and all of the mechanics were eating McDonald's. Really? But he'd gone into the local McDonald's in Calpe, and I think he'd ordered 250 Big Macs. And Brilliant. <laughs> oh, there was a footballer. There was a footballer, Danish footballer called Nicholas Bentner, who played for Arsenal, and then I think he went to play after that for one of the clubs in the northeast. And he was famously spotted in a branch of McDonald's after a match and after a few beers after a match he'd gone into mcdonald's without any card or cash to pay for his meal ordered it and then um didn't have any means of payment and i think the story's right i think he just turned around to the people in mcdonald's and went i'm nicholas bentner who's going to pay for me <laughs> <laughs> but could you imagine when you put an order in mcdonald's like <laughs> that's the opposite end it's, of the it's the opposite it's that big like uh, you know, you go in there as a family, you know, oh, do you know what, we'll, quick, we'll get a quick burger on the way back from swimming lessons or whatever it may be. Oh, That's a classic, oh, isn't it? Sorry, uh, Mads, Pedersen's, oh, yeah. Mads Pedersen's ordering 300 hamburgers. Yeah. It's, going to be fo- <laughs> it's going to be at least 40 minute wait. It's like, are you joking? But it was fast food. But Lizzie, here's a question. Are there, yeah. are there other members in your team who perhaps um, haven't got quite the same attitude towards financial largesse and treating <laughs> the staff who are perhaps le- slightly less well-paid? Well, I guess Can Ned, you think of an example? I guess Ned, from like, I'm, when we're on 
training camps and stuff. He'd go out for, for dinner and... Give us an example of what that had. Bill yeah, split, the, split the bill. Or even on this race, we're taking it upon ourselves to have a feel for the bill, haven't we? Yeah, it's my, so, I'm feeling it tonight. So. so, yeah, when you feel like you... But it's not always the case because, you know, different circumstances, you don't know everyone. But what, is it always like that, Lizzie? <laughs> is it? Um, I'm not going to fall into this trap of naming names but yes I did share with you privately a story of um, yeah it's all private we're just in the car <laughs> together no one's listening no number one rated yeah, not, not too many people yeah there was an occasion let's say where we were out for for some wine um, yeah. and yeah I ordered a bottle of Chianti because I much? have how much $15. $15? May, may, I don't know. Is that unrealistic? Yeah. It's not often I buy. No, no, $15. <laughs> that sounds all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bottle of wine. I, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm not a wine connoisseur at yeah. all. Um, probably the cheaper, the tastier for me, to be honest. Yeah. So, um, anyway, the reason I ordered that bottle of wine is because um, another member of the team had ordered a very famous American bottle, and it was $450. Whoa. What? And, yeah... <laughs> And I thought, was he, well, was he a shiny boy? Like on the fence. On the fence. And <laughs> in when this order went in, I thought, flipping heck, I better order myself a Chianti here because I don't want to be included. In that bit of the bill? Well, ma- mainly I was thinking of not wasting the good wine on my palate, you know? Well, and then we ended up playing the credit card game at the end of the evening. Yeah. Which is? Where you all put your credit card in. Um... Or, yeah, debit card in it's my quite case. A cycling <laughs> thing, <laughs> this. It's quite a cycling thing, this, isn't it, actually? Yeah, probably. It's quite a bit. Maybe it probably is, just, yeah. yeah. cyclists are often immature, aren't we? No, True. Well, well, yeah. we know you. No, you're the only um, cyclist in the car, is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, True, that. Yeah, you basically, you all throw in your credit card, debit card. You say to the waiter, waitress, um, you pick the card, and then that person pays. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's a bit Russian roulette. And basically, my card got picked <laughs> for a six hundred dollar bill. Unbelievable! And oh four hundred and fifty dollars was one bottle of wine. Yep, that I'd not had a but sip of. Oh. So you, you were still pretty hungry by the time you left this restaurant, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so presumably yeah. at this point, the guy who ordered the wine says, "Hey, hey, no, don't worry about the wine. I'll settle that. You, you pay for the rest. That's the rules of the game. Kind of. That's that would be fair. You would assume so, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen. And to my surprise, even now, considering how sort of forthright I am. I, <laughs> I, d- I think I just didn't want to give the person the satisfaction of saying no. So, yeah, I ended up paying, wow. paying for horrible. that. That's horrible. Wow. I just so disagree with that. Well, I yeah, mean, so like, did I. And uh, Yeah. Giulio Ciccone, yeah. Uh, the Italian <laughs> on our team, he was just absolutely mortified. It was against every fibre in his being, you know, that yeah. he okay. could allow me to pay so for it. it and he Pedersen. offered to give me some Pedersen, cash. And right. it wasn't Ciccone. So two out of <laughs> so 26. Two out of, yeah, we'll have to go through uh, the, No, yeah. Lizzie, no, yeah. it's not possible. Yeah, no. he was horrified. Yeah. Um, but lesson learned. I'm not playing that credit card game. So, hey, never, do you know what? Do you know what? That's great from Giulio Ciccone. Yeah. But do you know what would have been even better? If he'd paid. If he had actually just... Well, that would have been great. But <laughs> if he'd have just said, actually, you know what? Um, to the to the man who cannot be named, a bit like Voldemort. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, this isn't happening, you know? Like, that would have been better, wouldn't it? So yeah. Yeah, with, yeah. with that, Lizzie, there's a, there's a bit of in me saying, well, yeah, fine that you had a little whinge and a moan about that it's not right. But if it's not right... Put it right. Man up, put it yeah. right. So well, yeah. Anyway, we'll watch you tomorrow, Chikoni, and 
cheer you on and commentate <laughs> no, on No, he's my favourite. He's a very decent bloke. Yeah, yeah. Not that decent, obviously. <laughs> well, well that that's your it. British standard, you know. But just going True. back to it, because we were just talking about before, I used to, like, like I loved kind of, because you know you've got so much dead time at hotels often, and I, was, I didn't really like massages. And so I kind of just go and hang out with the mechanics, and I'd always kind of bring them out beers and hang out and chat, because I just loved hanging out with the mechanics best. And it was but a, a weird you one. had your own mechanic, right? I did have my own mechanic, yeah. Pete, have you ever had your own mechanic? Uh, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back when I was like 23, in my contract, I was allowed to swan you in a mechanic. You wow. were big time, weren't yeah. you? He was big time. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. David Miller. Yeah. Uh, now you've seen um, the, the, the backstage at the Tour de France, Lizzie. Can you imagine the first tour that I did, 2003, David was the only British rider. So ITV had an wow, intense, really? intense focus on David. Uh, David, oh at this point, no. living in... No, 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 I'm not going to... Okay. No, 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 that's a slightly okay. different story. I'm not going to okay. go over the old yeah. interview uh, thing. Yeah. But David had an intense focus on... Uh, uh, sorry, we, we had an intense focus on David for obviously... And he was a star, you know, he was going really well. And he won a stage. Um, but he, d- he, was, he wasn't British, he was French. Really, David, in his heart, yeah, he was, I was living. I was, I was, I was he was totally living different. in Biarritz. I forgot. I'd forget English words. Yeah, you have I such a British accent. Though. I know. It's yeah, it does yeah. really. Yeah. I spoke French ninety percent of my time. And the I funny thing was, we would try. We would be hanging around to try and interview him at the end of a stage, and uh, we quite often used to have to wait because he'd be swanning in to the French Velo Club for oh, France Television. You yeah. know, big studio show with who was on it, David? I've just had a brilliant idea. A brilliant idea for this podcast, Ned. Yeah. Well, so we talked at the very, very beginning at the Tour de France this year. Did we? That we didn't have interviews. Yeah. From the race. Imagine dropping. David Miller's interview from t- yeah from oh, yeah you got to find it, it would be incredible <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing I'm not sure if it would be beneficial for me <laughs> <laughs> no but you know what I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but it's true Ned I was like kind of it was uh, British TV was kind of it was secondary for me would, I'd always go France Television yeah and it was yeah in hindsight it's mad nah, it's just where you yeah. were in your yeah. life at that point you know yeah but it was it was it was just funny to see you kind of yeah it was um, there there we go. Don't know how we got onto that. By the way, talking about um, presents and giving each other little presents and gifts and burgers in the car park and mm. all the rest. Um, I bought you all a present. Aww. Oh, earlier on today, and I I bought a couple of days ago. I bought in a supermarket um, a little memento of our week together, especially since you've been in the car, Lizzie, of um, Never Stray's car, which you have right. become a very important part of and uh, you know we can't pay you obviously <laughs> um you know we might make a couple of quid out of some of the adverts that have been popping up but you know we're, we're reluctant to hand that on to you at the moment <laughs> that's fair enough um, because you know this is two years of labor that has brought us to this point hmm. um so instead of actual payment lizzie um i've bought you a, a present of almost no value whatsoever except for hopefully sentimental value um and i bought four little toy cars uh, from the supermarket, just so you'll always look at them, in, 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 unless you throw them in the bin immediately in years to come, <laughs> and you'll remember this week of your life. And I put it to public vote on Twitter as to because they're all different cars as to who gets which car. Oh, all right. So the cars in question were a silver Bentley, a red, quite ordinary-looking uh, Volkswagen <laughs> People Carrier, the sort of thing you might take your kids to school in. <laughs> A quite punchy-looking Toyota SUV that's got an edge of gangster about it. (laughs) And a quite shiny boy, white Porsche. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I know who I hope and, and, and those are the four cars. <laughs> and the public had to choose who gets which car out of all the contributors. Um, who shall I start with? Lizzie. 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 Obviously the public voted first. you the white Porsche. No oh, way. Nice. Yes. Oh, there you I'm go. I'm totally misunderstood. Are you? Oh. That is not well, me. You do live in Monaco. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, France. France. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie. Yeah. No, no denying that. So, Pete, mm. we, c- we come to you and I-, I was surprised that the public came to this conclusion. Um, because it says a lot about what they think. About at this point, so yeah. the way I did it was was I said the fu- the last person in, so Lizzie, in other words, the newest contributor, they get to choose first, or the public get to choose for Lizzie first, right? Mm-hmm. So that eliminated one car. So okay. they had to choose between three cars: the Toyota, yeah. the gangster Toyota, the silver Bentley, <laughs> <laughs> and the and the Volkswagen. Yeah. yeah. And I thought Pete's the sil- Pete's the um the black SUV. Yeah. Kind of all day long. Yeah. The public thought otherwise. Toyota. What? Bentley. 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 Pete, mystifyingly, you've got the red people carrier. No Well, that says I thought I, thought I was great. nailed this on for that. This tells you, you everything I've been saying for the last four years I've known you, Ned, and Lizzie, <laughs> for the last bloody, what, Too week? Long, I've yeah. known you, or four days. No, I mean, I've known you for years, but really known you. Um, anyway, thanks, public, because this is who I am. <laughs> Father of four. <laughs> married. <coughs> And Re- d- down to earth and grounded. So yeah, dropping exactly. the kids off at school. Second this is so, second car. So actually, Lizzie, Lizzie, take that shiny boy comment and stick it in your Stick it in your Stick it in your in your posh white Porsche. <laughs> and and talking about wheelie bins, but I'm gonna actually no, we'll get back to it. Let's finish the car thing. Just what? so you know, I would never be seen dead in a white Porsche. Really? Okay. Never. I would. Okay. Well, just to put the record straight, the public don't always get it right, Lizzie. Unless they want to give me no, one no, for free. <laughs> <do that>. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we haven't yeah. ruled out Porsche way, coming Porsche. on board. They always do. <laughs> Porsche. Hey, Ned, why has this got Fabulous no front brand, window? Great company. Why has it got no windows? <laughs> no, the front one. Just, just the side. Um, <laughs> no idea. It's got a front windscreen. It's got no... Yeah, well, it's a Dukes of Hazard. The doors are stuck. You have to jump in Dukes of Hazard style um, <laughs> to get in. That's that's why that's I like, it. like Thanks, that. Thanks, Bob. you have to be two centimetres high. And so therefore, and then it came to the final, the original <laughs> founder members of Never Strays Far. It was a head-to-head between me and David in the public vote as to who gets the silver Bentley and who gets the Toyota. Hmm. Which way do you think this one went, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? No idea. David Miller, have the silver oh, Bentley. that's what I wanted as well. Yeah, it's the be- by far the best car, to be Aww. perfectly honest, yeah. Is that Thank not like an people. old man, like a Bentley, not an Don't old There's man so many you ways you could Bentley read boys? into this. Have you, have you ever heard of the Bentley boys? That was like in the twenties, uh, like thirties. They were oh, they were shiny boys who would <laughs> go across to France and race cars in Bentleys when they were like open wheel, just engines with barely anything else. No, anyway, never heard of them. Pretty interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm very happy with that, Ned. Okay. Well, thanks, yeah. Paul. And what are you? You're a gangster. Yeah, apparently I'm a kind of like big old. See, I'm the most anti-car person in the world, and I've been given yeah. this V8 gas-guzzling SUV <laughs> sort of nightmare of a car that I'm never going to drive and. Um, it's just going to sit in the in the driveway for about a day or two. Did I ever tell you the story about my Ford, my sponsorship with Ford that never no. was? Go on. It was dead funny. <laughs> ten, year, <laughs> 10 years ago, when I had a kind of, I mean, you know, I, now I have a minuscule public profile. Ten years ago, I had a micro minuscule public profile. But I was run up, I was run Profiles, up by profile a, Ned. I was run up by a, a, an agency working for Ford, Ford's marketing thing. They randomly got hold of my number and they said, we would like to enter a partnership with you. A very interesting exploring partnership with you. What 
car out of interest, Mr. Bolting, do you drive at the moment? And I had this knackered Renault Scenic. And I said, I've got a knackered Renault Scenic. Great car, and I by said, the way. And I said, well, would you, would you be interested in us providing you with a like-for-like people carrying from Ford? You know, da da And, um, you know, keeping it upgraded every year <laughs> and all that sort of thing. And I'm immediately, I, I, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking, yes. On the other hand, I'm thinking, this could be quite awkward. So I said, okay. But, the you know, I'm not comfortable saying that anything. Publicly about the fact that I'm driving a Ford. Yeah, I'm not sure if it works like that. And they went, Mr. Bolting, that's not what it's all about. It's about building a creative partnership and just getting people on board with. So listen, we're going to put a package together for you and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. And I went, oh, thanks very much. Thinking that's really nice. They've really thought about my position. Put the phone down. Never heard from them again. Aww. So that Shot was yourself that. in the foot there, Ned. Do you yeah. think they got the wrong number? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, back so to the I race, guys. We're going to go back to the race. We're going to go back to the race. For weird technical reasons, we're just going to pause for three seconds. Yeah. So the flag dropped um, out of Bourg d'Oison. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the little village at the foot of Alpe d'Huez. Yeah. Yeah. That we raced through on our Bromptons last night when we descended off uh, Alpe d'Huez, and um, must have been fun for the riders, don't you think? Like th a lot of them stayed in Alpe d'Huez, and then they're, they're just <laughs> so much fun. Oh no. Well, they definitely didn't have as much fun as me and David had. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, we did. We had loved it. Yeah, race time. yeah uh, the so flag the flag dropped, but it then they were like twenty thirty k downhill with a predominant cross tailwind, and uh, it was really hard for the brake to get established today. Wasn't well, it? we were talking about this, weren't we, on the drive yesterday, the long drive after Optuas, David? Mm. You yeah. in particular, because you've got so much experience from racing out Briançon yeah. and that false flat. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. yeah. Lots of it. Your hate for that was almost rivaled Ned's hate for the Alps. Yeah. Yes, it did actually, on a par. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so hard because it's one of these roads where it's so wide. Anyone who's ridden a bike knows uh, a steep road when it's narrow, you kind of kind of you can deal with because it feels steep. Yeah. But any hill on a big road is horrible because yes. you, you've got no perception. You can't of feel it of it. Yeah. The perception's so gone. Creeping, David. Do you so and it looks flat on TV. Yes. Yeah. David, literally, do you remember tell. we've just been past Le Puy en Velay? Do you remember when Bacamolima won there? Barely. Uh, okay, and but do you you might remember this? The morning that we had to ride down to the finish line, we were sort of twenty k in a hotel. Was that Auvergne? Was that in the Auvergne? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, well, yeah, it was I remember that. And we yeah. had that. We had an exactly that kind of experience on our Bromptons. Oh God, that was Do you remember? Horrible. Like yeah. big old dual carriageway, yeah. six percent we straight were, we line. We were regretting it, weren't we? It was horrific. Yeah. Yeah, and you dropped me. Yeah. And I was I had just to. struggling. Oh, you had to because otherwise we'd never got yeah. there. But uh, yeah, yeah, so it was a hard start, and it was really the, hard. The start. group that went was oddly really good but as you said before none of them are previous Tour de France stage winners which is odd which is odd Quinn Simmons Maz Pedersen this is a test of my memory without my notes um, Fred Wright uh, Stefan Kung and Hugo Uhl yeah. and Filippo Ganna ah, yeah. who's looked strangely not quite Filippo Ganna at this race no he hasn't yeah but at the same time he's probably gone back to the car for a 30 bottles every stage, haven't they? He's, like, there's a lot of unseen... Sure. Maybe, but there's, there's been no magic. You know, you expect like a couple of like hero turns. Well, I found it quite interesting, because he's attempting the hour record, isn't he? After is this, he? Yeah, after yeah, this yeah. Tour de France. Yeah. In uh, Grenchen, I think. Yeah, it is. Ah. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, that's interesting preparation. So maybe he's... His mind somewhere else. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah, considering that at the back of his mind. When was that scheduled for, Lizzie? Do you know? When was he planning on I think it's, it's pretty soon after the Tour de France, a couple of weeks maximum. Taking his Tour de France legs. Wout van Arch, so do the hour record. 
Yeah. He'd probably do it. Just knock it out on the rest day. Yeah, on the rest yeah. day, why not? Yeah. That is one of those interesting details that is probably worth me and all of us remembering, actually. Yeah, I, that I didn't even know that. that. That, you know, if we see Ghana doing semi-inexplicable things off the Going front. Going on the front for an hour. Yeah, mm. um, maybe he's got the hour record in mind as the race progresses. Yeah. It's good workload for it. But anyway, so it was a good group. Yeah, and then but, but they kept them on a very tight leash. Yeah, so it was, it was Gilbert. There was a brilliant shot of Gilbert working really hard when the brake got up the road um, on the front. And Luke Rowe just yeah. ghosted up alongside him <laughs> and went, do you think you can bring them back? Do you mm. And like, in other words, you can't bring them back, can you? <laughs> um, and yeah, Gilbert. I thought that was bold from Luke. Yeah, well, he's not. Like Respect uh, they your trained elders, elders like stuff, so it's not. It wasn't <laughs> completely. No, I know. I know. He was only yeah, taking the mic. Still quite bold, but yeah. That's mind games, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's just Luke as well, isn't I it? Think he can't help himself. Yeah. He's probably just, just probably just genuinely curious. He's so just like. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he, he almost <laughs> just looks at your bear and was like, "Mate, are you joking? Like, look who's up the road." Do yourself a favour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they did. He they didn't take her that way. Well. He didn't seem. He didn't answer no, him. Did he but just but kind Luke, of like? Luke also knows Phil. Pro- That's what I mean. Yeah, he lives in France as well. So you don't he? have yeah. to. It was. I got, I got the impression it was a little. He lives in France. <laughs> <laughs> he lives on the top of the rock in same France. Same village as me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah where's same village? Yeah. 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 Um, nice. Someone's phone is next to a cable. If you can have a little look, I'm hearing quite. It's not mine. It's not, not mine. No. Okay. That's really weird. Um, okay, it's gone. Um, but then Lotto Sudal were riding and uh, what's the other team there? Alpazine. Alpazine, De Koenig. And they they ended up dropping their sprinters. Well, they didn't, but... Mm, um, sort of. Then Bike Exchange came yeah. far yeah. too late. Well, Lotto Sudal, like Caleb, he was, he's on a shocker. Oh, let's not forget that. The poor th- poor yeah. guy, though. I mean, the I whole team is here for him. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't say poor guy, Lizzie. Wouldn't you? He's no, he's the, the best. He's... he's they're paying him a lot of money to win Tour de France stages. He lives and in France here. as well, he? does live in France as well, yeah. He's Same here village, yeah. with a team that's supporting him, and yeah. that's, his, that's his job. So I wouldn't say poor guy at all. No, come on. so ruthless. I'm, Why? Not, I'm not having that. You're just playing to... Because you, you, you did you said that deliberately to get that reaction out no, of No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You feel sorry for him. Thanks, David. Really? I can 100%. No, I don't care about the reaction. Actually, that's how I feel. Can you not empathise with his situation? I empathise 100%, but that doesn't mean we can't have an opinion about it. Yeah. You can still empathise with what he's going through, but for me, he's a leader at the Tour de France. And his crash today was mental fatigue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because of the pressure he's under, don't you think? I mean, uh, I get it. He is pe- that's his <laughs> that's yeah. his job, that's what he's paid here to yeah. do, but I just think oh, I, f- I just feel for him, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah, no yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So okay. do we. But we all agree I'm too we soft, feel for am him. I? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you'll learn. Got more learn. time in the car. <laughs> yeah. We'll more time it. behind that TV screen. <laughs> uh, and then But it's um, the first for Caleb, sorry, just to go back yeah. to Caleb. He, it's the first really kind of horrible year that he's had. Because yeah. he's had a he's had a terrific career and he's been around a long time. He's still he's so young. Amazing. He's like he's like you know, but he's been he's been in the world. he's been he's never dominated, but he's been a threat. Fast. You know, he's been fast. He's just fast. fast isn't he? Oh, you yeah. said fast that. You AF. said that on on the telly today, and you're absolutely right. He's, he's also been very good, Ned. And he's been really not being fast. Remember, even like Yoito. <laughs> well, no, he's still fast. But on the yeah the what's the steep climb up to the dam? He J- won that stage. Jabel Hef- uh, no, so uh, the Hatter Dan. He's really proven hard. that he's like he's capable, more than capable. That's a, spri- a sprinter's climb, though. I don't it? know of just being fast. Uh, yeah. no, well, he, he's also done some amazing performances in Milan San Remo. This is what I'm trying to say. True. Like yeah. he is more than just fast. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. 
It's <sighs> and and to be fair to him, today before the crash, he was you know the the team were riding on the front for him for a reason because he was right up the front on those series of climbs when Jakobsen was being dropped. Yeah, yeah, and so that was impressive. Mm. Um, but the, 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 the invisibility man today was Dylan Kronenwegen and the way that his team yeah. raced. That was the puzzler for me. So well, that, that yeah. is a baffler, but I, I also <laughs> think it's baffling. But this oh. is the problem when you've had the Dauphiné he had and the precedence of the first few days where it's difficult for him to get over a motorway bridge. Um, yeah. It was so literally fast. That. Yeah. And so the team, they... They're so loyal to him. The fact that he even brought him to the Tour de France shows such loyalty, and that's been paid back with that stage, stage three win. But at the same time, if other teams are going to lead it, and they're seeing that they they're not going to put their forces on the their force on the front of the peloton no. when there's climbs still to go, which there yeah. were, and they're not big climbs. But when they did decide they have to, to do gamble, it, yeah, and, and he did a great ride today, Groenewegen. But because of that, those precedents in the last two or three months. They weren't committed beforehand David, until they were over the climb. The biggest mistake I, I believe the sprinters teams within the peloton made was when the gap was at a minute 30. Yeah. Just after the, the slight crosswind sections we've seen. That was, that was the only opportunity mm. they really had to completely drill it. Yeah. Once, once it go, goes over two minutes again, it's with that group up front, it was done. It was done. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what we've seen. But if, if Bike Exchange had put riders on earlier, but the, yeah, it's hindsight 2020, isn't it? Always hindsight, yeah. But I find those stages really interesting. We had a few of them in the Giro this year where you get a climb, ostensibly a flat climb, a sprintable, uh, sorry, a flat stage, a sprinter, a sprinter stage probably, yeah. but there's a climb in the middle and um, a team will take it up to drop certain of the climbers. But that there's, it's so delicate, isn't it? Because if you drop too many, you don't you, have you the riders. You won't yeah. have the riders all and the, the teams, teams to take it yeah. all the way to the line. And that's what we've seen with Caleb coming back on. It's so interesting that. Lotto were all, the whole team of Lotto Sudal were back with Caleb, yet Alpacine de Koenig couldn't wait for them to come back up because yeah. they literally couldn't afford to lose any more seconds. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a catch-22, isn't it? Yeah. There's no right way or there's no way out of it. You've got to be so... And in the chaos of the race as well, I'm trying to you know work out who's who's been dropped and how far and whether or not they might get on. Yeah. Really hard to get right that, isn't it? Technical. Very technical. Mm. Didn't work today at all. No. So the seven riders went to the end and... Uh, and Fred Wright was there again. I Fred was, Wright was there. Yeah. But, we, you know, more or less, 20 kilometres out, you could have gone... Yeah. They'll probably finish in roughly this order mm -hmm. and you would probably have got it mostly right, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, we can say, oh, perhaps Fred could have attack the final a little bit differently like when he did make a move to attack you know he did it with Mads basically in his wheel and yeah. you know there was times when he should have let Mads go back into Hule good luck with those um, chattels and chapeaus but he didn't I mean he had every right to just let Mads do all the work but at the same time you don't know how quickly that group that had got dropped on the climb the last climb was going to come back so he was potentially protecting podium a little bit but I don't think even if he'd have gapped, you know, even no. if they've laid off and attacked, Mads would have been straight on his wheel yeah. anyway. Yeah, he was, yeah. Like, so, strong. He was yeah. so much stronger and faster that it was an inevitable result, I think. He was smart as well because it, we could see it. Well, he attacked. The well, sprinter of the group attacked. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was unexpected. What was that was magical, Pete, was it was the moment Bike Exchange pulled off, like 15 k's to go, 
and that was obviously relayed across to the group and obviously when you're in a breakaway at that point they're like 13 k's in the finish and they then realize they've broken finally after the full day they've broken the peloton and normally there's a lull and they're like yeah. okay reset we kind of now have to look at each other we're not going to get caught and at, in that moment and it was within 15 seconds pedersen went and it was like oh what because they were all expecting how are we going to get rid of pedersen yeah because he's the fastest guy in the group and yeah. he just went on the front foot and you know when you're that or clearly as strong as he was today you do have that kind of lucidity yeah. and that kind of that ability to make decisions and he then just split the group in half and reduced the variables and he's not a, he's not a pure sprinter is he he's no, won the world not. championships in Harrogate yeah. which was like a brutal race yeah so he's way more than that and he showed it today magical and then in the final sprint it was Fred Wright obviously he did one attack but other than that he was kind of committed to do you know who I don't know if it, I don't know how yeah. committed he was to that one attack that he did you know, actually no. felt, it felt uncertain yeah. do you know and who's been quite absent well? yeah. in uh, the Trek Segafredo team hmm. is uh, except for the Pave stage is uh, Jasper Stuyven yeah where's he been like he's he's never been present even in the early moves true That'd you know because that today. was a typical day for yeah. him today yeah, along well, with Matt. Like, imagine to be if fair, it was he's probably stru- he's been probably really struggled through the last three days, hasn't he? True, yeah. but I mean, imagine if it was so. You could say that about Mads, but imagine if it was him and Mads Pedersen in that break. That would have been a. F- uh, it doesn't matter now, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. Now he won. We, we've That's never, s- we've, we haven't seen him <laughs> other than the Roubaix. So. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, he he clearly had the form in Roubaix, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So, we'll see. I mean, yeah. there maybe haven't been that many stages. Maybe he's going to either. UAE next year. No, he's resigned. Oh, uh, has he? Yeah, he's, oh, well. he's been. Hey, more he's bills, been. For, more bills for you to pay, Lizzie. <laughs> I, I heard a um, I heard a Cavendish rumor today. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you? What do you think about this? Go on. I can't remember which team. Oh yeah, Alpacin. Really? I was yeah. hoping it would be Coffidis. No, I don't think that's going to happen, David. As much as we would like it to I happen. I love that. Alpecin. I believe that, yeah. Absolutely. makes sense, but it only yeah. makes sense if Jasper Philipson is moving on. And Otherwise, he's just yeah. walking out of the frying pan into the fire, is isn't it? he? <sighs> I don't know. Mm. I don't think Jasper Philipson is a Tour de France yeah, sprinter winner. Oh. Or, or you say, because That has to be written down. No, he can go to other races throughout the year, Giro, Vuelta, but he's not Mark Cavendish at the Tour de France. He's not, he's not even Mark close. Mark have been dropped today. No way. No way. Jasper Phillipson. He would have had the Jasper whole Phillipson, team around him. Excuse me, Jasper Phillipson wasn't no, dropped if, today. No, if Cav was in this race, that breakaway wouldn't have even no, got away. No, exactly. I agree with you. Cav would have won today. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. We're that's biased, a difference. But, you know, it's relative bias. And that's what, and it, that's and what he, he yeah, brings to the team. I love your faith in him. That's great. Absolute faith in him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's Unshakeable. true, though. Unshakeable. Yeah. yeah. Especially at the tour. You know, like my faith in certain other... Oh, that was quite funny last like night, Paddy Bevan. Paddy Bevan. Yeah. At one point, David, because uh, you were editing the podcast, I had to unlock my laptop last oh, night. What? And you said, "What's your What's your password?" <laughs> this is good. Oh, <laughs> and I was forced into admitting what my password password was. Um, <laughs> and I might as well just lay it all out. <laughs> oh, no. I I could Go not on, get my head around this. Well, my password is capital F. No, <laughs> <laughs> why would I say my password oh on the no podcast? No, you can't. It's a literally ridiculous thing to do. It's not so your you're pin code, code, is it? No. Well, no, but somebody might. You'll have to change it. We have so many listeners now that I might lose my passport and happen to lose it 
to a Never Strays car listener and then they'll know the password. So well, there, to be honest, screen. Ned, I think you need to update your password. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this is the time. This is the time to move yeah. on, to get over it. <laughs> Do you think? I think it might Pidcock be. Yeah. 2022. Yeah, Pidcock 2022. Exactly. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, Can I just do a little bit of a promo for Chapter 3? Go for it. Lizzie's done a massive yeah. one for Trek, so uh, just so pile in. We've launched our new aero uh, cycling jersey and our Grand Tour shorts, etc. And for the Never Strays car listeners, we've created a 20% off. 20%? Actually, everything full price on Chapter3.com. When you get to checkout, just put in car 2022. <laughs> that's a good, that would be a good laptop password, yeah, wouldn't it? That's what you can car use. 2022 for 20% off a bunch of. Yeah, and then yeah. you realize you created the best password ever, and you're like, it needs a capital. And you're like, oh. Uh, <laughs> no, really? It's, it's or a special character. Yeah, special character <laughs> and a capital. Yeah, that's so annoying. Yeah. At car, so C, capital C. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone no. else want to sell anything while we're at it? Well, suppose no, it's, it's a long race. Coaching. What about your co- how's the coaching going? You've the been coaching doing a lot of going, work on it, Pete. Going great, working very hard. Well, it's a long race. I'll, I'll publicize my coaching on yeah. another podcast. All right. Yeah. Um, and don't forget, look in the show notes for the great giveaway as well, because you know, yeah. the chapter Worth three, Surpass, and, um, and the Roadbook have all chipped in for anyone who's buying tickets to the Ritor de Ned. Um, it's all the details are in the show notes, but basically there's a load of free stuff. Enter a free f- prize drawer if you can say that you've bought a ticket for my show in the autumn. And uh, that's a lot of selling. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to tell it. you a little story just to round things off as we sometimes do with a I a love your stories, Ned. Yeah. They're the highlight of my day. Well, no, it's not, not going to be like the chicken. Okay. Oh, the, oh, yeah. The, roast the blitz. Dinner. Yeah, it's oh. not, not going to be like that. It's, not it's fine. Uh, no, it's um, actually... History. A little bit of history. Nice, let's go. A little bit of history. Saint-Étienne, which you guys have been... I don't know, Lizzie, give Saint-Étienne an out of ten score. Oh. Can't do seven. Seven's not allowed. Um, an even five. An okay. even five. Not not too impressed then, Pete. Saint- yeah. I, I mean, I'm on the fence of it. It's... I didn't really experience much of it. Yeah. It was nice. People were nice. Very friendly. Yeah. Big football stadium. Was it as good as the Isle of Man? No, obviously Different. not. Uh, yeah. Eight out of ten. Eight? I'm wearing the shirt. Eight. I'm wearing the football shirt. Oh, we need to take <laughs> Pete Traflin. No, this is my positivity coming through. No, the thing why is, would David's, David's band seven, which would be the actual score. Wouldn't well, yeah, no, not allowed to why, why would you find Why would you find negatives in a place when your life is only so long? It's about oh, living positively. Hey, you're you're, 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 you're you so go, right. You get life coach. And don't today. forget to wear sunscreen. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Five. Five. Aww. Okay, but I mean, there are reasons why Saint Etienne, I think, is has been quite a troubled place or quite a, a careworn place down the years. One of which is the collapse of the local industry. So. I was telling Lizzie about this earlier. Um, in the early 20th century, there was an enormous industrial concern here. Massive factory employed tens of thousands of people making stuff. They churned out huge amounts of kit, um, ranging from kitchen appliances to leather bags to bits and pieces, like huge numbers of bicycles during the sort of big bicycle boom in the early 19th century. 20th century, Hirondelle bicycles, I think, were the brand. Um, and, uh, and also um, arms, so like like pistols and uh, and and various bits of hunting equipment. And this company was called I can't remember the exact title. It was something like Manufacture d'Armes Françaises or something like that, um, which got abbreviated later in its in its uh, in its iteration to Manufrance. But um, this original company was a in a, a global colossus. It just it was like the the early 20th century equivalent of Argos. 
bigger though and also they made and they made their stuff and the reason i say argos is because every year they would produce a beautiful hardback leather bound catalog um, of all the stuff that they sold with unbelievably wonderful belle époque kind of illustrations of all their products and all this sort of thing and i was once i once spent an entire day just leafing through a copy of this book and just marveling at all the products that they sold including things like um, the the uh, pistole cycliste uh, because it was so dangerous riding around in the hills around Saint-Étienne back in the day uh, that it was recommended that the cyclists carried a pistol in self-defense and it was a specially designed pistol that you could uh, you know it wasn't too heavy basically marginal gain back in the day um, anyway that uh, huge industrial firm was the, the, the living sort of breathing heart of Saint-Étienne for many decades along with mining and bit by bit those heavy industries and their manufacturing trade uh, got eroded and in the 1960s it ground to a uh, ground to a halt essentially at around about the same time in 1960 a uh, cycling son of Saint-Étienne uh, came to the Tour de France in the great French national team that contained Bobet and Anquetil etc as one of the, the big French hopes to take the race and he was a genuine contender uh, for the overall he was a superb track rider he was an hour record holder he was uh, he was a just a brutally strong rider because these hills around Saint-Étienne bred that kind of characteristic rider and his name was Roger Riviere and Oncatil in fact I remember before Raymond Poulidor uh, passed away talking to him about Roger Riviere because they those two had briefly known one another and uh, he acknowledged that Riviere was one of the strongest French riders there's ever been but he was also a basket case and in an era when um, a lot of the riders were doping with products that essentially didn't they weren't performance enhancing except for the fact that they numbed your pain and altered the mental state with which you were riding so they were tranquilized basically throughout most of the race a lot of the riders were doing that Uh, Roger Riviere was doing it times 10 so you know in in a pretty sort of doped up environment he was the ultra doper and there were members of that French national team including a, a soigneur and a master who just simply said I'm, I refuse to work with Roger Riviere because he takes too much of this stuff anyway he was in contention for the overall lead and Gastona Nancini was um, the Italian who was leading the race and Roger Riviere on a big descent tried to go after him I think that I think it was in the rain or wet conditions but much more significant significantly than that Roger Riviere had taken colossal amounts of a tranquilizer called palfium which is very popular back in the day and uh, it affected his capacity on a corner he overshot the roads went down a ravine and suffered from terrible spinal injuries which he did eventually eventually recover from his cycling career uh, could not continue at any kind of a level uh, because the injuries were so severe he wasn't paralyzed but he was in hospital for months and he was in acute pain and uh, with a degree of irony the painkiller that he was prescribed when he was in hospital was palfium um, and he became a palfium addict and when he if he wasn't already and when he stopped racing um, his life kind of crumbled he went from one failed business venture to another he was involved in uh, the the suspicion that he'd driven a getaway car after an armed robbery on a post office and all this sort of thing and he was prosecuted at one point for um for uh, falsifying doctor's prescriptions to the tens of thousands for palfium and he became a palfium dealer and it's just the saddest tale um, and his, 
he died very young. I think he was in his 40s of throat cancer. Um, but I remember watching a, f a, a, a in the 1970s, I think, and I remember watching a, um, a very moving obituary to him on French television in which he was described as uh, one of the greatest riders that France never had because it was a career that went too soon. And he, every time I come to Saint-Étienne, which is often, I think about Roger Riviere. <laughs>